all of you who have weathered uh, the weather. Because uh, I know there's a lot of people that rode over this morning and they just said it's just too wet to get cute today. So I'm going to stay in the bed. But that's all right. We're still yet thankful and praying for them. Amen. Matthew uh, chapter 1 beginning at verse 18. While you're finding it, you can just repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, it reads as this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When, he, when his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translate, translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife but kept her aversion until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. For a moment today, as we kick off a brand new series entitled The Gift Exchange, I would love to simply title this message, The Gift of Life. The Gift of Life. You may be seated on today. This is December and it's something that happens right after the last piece of turkey has been carved and you've ate the last piece of ham, uh, we go into this gift-giving vibe. I, I don't know what it is, but all of a sudden, December is the one month that no one's really going to be upset or frustrated unless they don't get the gift that they were looking for. I mean, there are some women that's looking for engagement rings on this December, not trying to push anybody, just, just simply saying they already had it in their mind and in their heart, and th they're ready for it. And some children, uh, I know my son himself, he's looking uh, for a Nerf gun or whatever they call them things, and if he doesn't get the exact one he wants, we're, we're going to have a problem in our household. And so this is the time when everybody is in the festive gift-giving season. It's not by coincidence that we all get like this around this time of year. Uh, the truth be told, we should be like this every day of our lives. 
But we get this way because this is a time that we remember the gift that was given to us. This is a time where we remember that Jesus Christ was the best and possibly only gift that any man could ever need. Something is happening as time continues to move away from that time when Jesus Christ was born and crucified. We are taking Christ somehow out of Christmas. Uh, we're less focused on who God is and what God has done, and we're more focused on the, uh, the financial and the materialistic things that we're looking for and desiring to impact and influence our lives. This series entitled The Gift Exchange is to give us a, a remembrance, to give us a reminder lesson about the true gift that was given from who? God. Not only the gift that was given to God, but if you know the true story of Christmas, you know that not only was Jesus a gift given from God, uh, God made flesh, the Son embodied in human flesh. And now we realize once he was born, there was something that happened. He wasn't born in a mansion. He was born in a manger. Uh, he, he was born in humble. And some of y'all could say he was in the ghetto. Matter of fact, he might have even been up under the ghetto. Uh, but we also know that he was a gift that was given to us. And I know we put all these decorations of these three wise men and things of that nature, but there was not three wise. There were more than three wise men, but there were three gifts that were listed in the Bible that was given to him. And so this series is designed to remind us not only did God give us a gift, but we are responsible for giving God a gift back in exchange. This is the gift exchange. But today we're going to focus on what we call the gift of life. A gift that many of us take for granted, a gift that many of us overlook. I was praying with our leadership team this morning because when I woke up and got on Facebook, another pastor friend of mine, he was traveling down I-35 on his way to his church. There was bad traffic, and he says it was because of the fact that this morning someone lost their lives. He says this is not something he's assuming. This is not something he was guessing. He was literally passing by, and they were trying to cover up the body that was hanging out of the window. Can you imagine how quickly you got in your car? and just naturally assume that you were going to make it to your destination today. There are people here in this building right now that traveled from Mansfield, that traveled from Fort Worth, that traveled from Denton. Thank you so much, Alex. All of these people that come from all of these different places, and we just naturally assume because we have an engine in our car and the wheels are turning and the doors are closed that we were going to make it to where we were supposed to make it without a problem. I hate to tell you this, but there's nothing guaranteed about the life that we're living here on this earth. Some of us go to sleep naturally thinking that we can put things off and plan for things to happen tomorrow because of the fact that we think this breath that we have, we are the ones that pump it into our lungs. We think that we have the power to turn our life on and off just like a light switch. But the truth is somebody didn't wake up this morning. We had the opportunity, I had the opportunity to go support one of our members who had just lost his uncle this past Saturday. Uh, I had to support him as they were burying his uncle. Then catch this, as I'm there supporting him, I get a text from another member saying, my grandmother just passed. Life isn't within our control. It's funny how we waste so much time trying to run something, trying to dictate what we're going to have, when we're going to have it, how it's going to look when we have no control over it whatsoever. All of it is beyond our grasp. All of it truly and technically is beyond our comprehension. 
uh, we deal with hospitals, and the crazy thing about a hospital, what do they call it? A practice. Why do they call it a practice? Because they're just trying to figure it out. Yes, they went to school. Yes, they learned. They've been board certified, all of these great things. But truly, the human body is too complex to understand. If that wasn't the case, we wouldn't have to deal with all of these issues. Life is beyond our control. Life is a gift that was given to us. It was not required. It did not belong to us. God chose upon himself to give us life. So today I want to make sure that we understand what is life. Because if we're living, society would tell us the only thing about life is making sure that you're happy, you got the cars, you got the house, you got the shoes, you got the woman, you got the man. That's life. If you ain't got all that, you ain't living. Some people fail to give their life to Christ because they think once they come to Christ, they're going to be bored. They think life is going to be stuck up. They're not going to be able to have fun. And so they say that that's not living. That's not life. So I don't want that. I believe that there's a biblical representation of what life is. There's two representations of what life is. And it's amazing that you find the first representation of life in Genesis chapter 1. And then you find the second representation of life in Matthew chapter 1. These are both the beginning, one of the old and one of the new. What was happening that shows us that life is in these texts? Well, we see in Genesis chapter 1 that life is represented by understanding that life is a relationship. We know that life is represented as a relationship because what? God spends all of his time creating all of these wonderful things. And then on the sixth day, his last day of work, what does he do? He says, let us make man and woman in our image. He says, I want to make man and woman in our image. And and our hope is that they will have dominion over all of this. The beast of the field, the land, all of this would be in their control. This is what takes place in Genesis chapter 1. Y'all know the story. God got done with everything and he took the dust, he began the dirt and he began to form it. And then once he formed man, he blew into his nostril and that breath, that breath that, that, that you just breathed, that's God's. That don't belong to you. That breath that we, we operate in, that breath that we use to talk, that breath that we use to sleep, the breath that we use to say, no, that, that belongs to God. So here it is. He is formed man. He's breathed breath into his nostril. And what happened? He, he comes to life. He comes to life. And then God says, you know what? I love him so much. He looks so good. He's, he's on point, but he's missing something. I need to create him something that he could need. And so he begins to, to fasten all of these animals and things. And the problem was that everything that he did, it was nice. It was good, but it just wasn't what? man needed. I heard a pastor one day say, obviously a dog must have came close because we still walk around saying that a dog is man's best friend. But there was something the dog couldn't do for man. And so he says, Adam, I need you to trust me. I'm going to perform the first surgery that's ever been known to man. I want to put you asleep so that I can remove a rib. He put him to sleep and he removed a rib. And then what does he do? He fastens a woman out of his rib. I don't know about y'all, but man, I need y'all to understand. I know this is a a story about, this is a message about life, but if y'all want a happy life, you need to keep a happy wife. Uh, And and if if you don't know anything else, what I need you to realize, brothers, and this is true, I need you to hold on to it. Your woman is your rib. 
And there's some things that you wouldn't do to yourself that you may do to her. And everything that you really have to understand, when you hurt her, you're really hurting yourself. I see I got some amens in my corner today. I'm just saying that we need to look at this thing a little different because here it is that God was giving us a gift of life. And then he turns around and says, I want more for you, so I'm going to take a part of you and give you even more. We should have a different appreciation for the women within our lives. None of us would be here without the women within our lives. So this takes place. This takes place. God produces life. And so we see life in Genesis chapter 1 as a relationship. The relationship between man and God is filled with three key things in Genesis chapter 1. And the first of these three key things is found in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the A clause, the A part of the text. And it's there in the A A clause, the A part of the text in Genesis chapter 1 that it says, let us make man in our image. That's important to understand. Listen, I love my son. My son, uh, it, it, he, he's every bit of me. He may look like his mama, not really. He got a skin color. But other than that, he acts like me. He behaves like me. I, I mean, the thing is that um, I remember when my child was first born, when my son was first born, and um, I told my wife, I, I literally told her, listen, something's wrong. He ain't dark enough. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't look exactly like me. That, that uh, I got an issue with that. Something's not right in this situation. I expected him to be a little chocolater. And, but I loved him so much. I, you know, I was so excited about him being here that I desired for him to what? Look just like me. Here it is in the text when God says, let us make man in our image. He loves us so much that he wants us to look just like him. And he gets to the point where the text even says, let us make man and woman in our image. What is the image of God? What is the image of God? Is God talking about the physical manifestation of what man looks like? Is God talking about the skin pigment of what man looks like? Is God even talking about the limbs? Let me tell you something. God couldn't be talking about those things because if he was, all of us would look the same. There would not be anybody paralyzed. There would not be anybody with with one arm. There would not be anybody with these defects uh, that we consider defects or disabilities. Why? Because if we're made in God's image, God is flawless. So what should that tell us? That God don't care what your hair look like. God don't care what your nails look like. God might not even care what your breath smell like. I do, but, but at the end of the day, what we do need to realize is that God's image is holy. God's image is righteous. And so when God says, let us make man in our image, he's talking about the image of completion. That they should want for nothing. They should need for nothing. They should have all the same power that I have. They can speak. Things will fall up under their control. They're just going to rule it from a different place. But what happened? Sin enters the world. And every bit of power that we had was drained away from us. We couldn't be grateful 
for the gift that was given to us. Uh, we, we always wanted more. It wasn't enough. We, we, we wanted more. We were tempted to, to desire what God had restricted us from. And so we, we, we did not appreciate life because we did not appreciate love. Second thing that Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the B clause of that text shows us is that our relationship with God is not only built off of love, but it's also built off of hope. What happens in that second part, he says, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and the creeping and crawling things. God says, listen, I'm going to create them with the hope that they're going to take all control over everything else. God didn't make us to be scared of lions. He made lions to be submissive to us. Uh, There was a point that we had all control over everything that walked the earth. Why? Because God had given it to us. We think that we're in control now. What we're trying to do is only an int- a, 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 a fake representation of what God had already promised us we could do. And so here it is that once again, because of sin, we lost control. Because of sin, we lost the ability to dictate what does and what doesn't operate. Again, here's a gift that was given to us through life. The gift of control. But we didn't appreciate it. We was ungrateful. The third principle that we can find within that text is not only that our relationship with God is built off of love, hope, but it's also built off of peace. Genesis chapter chapter 1 verse 28 says, God, so God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the living things that moves on the earth. That sounds to me like a peaceful situation. You have put me in a position where I have rule and reign over everything. The trees, the grass, the birds, the sky, anything. I have full rule and reign over it. Why? Because you love me so much. Your your hope for me is to do great things. And so now you put me in a situation that could be peaceful. How do we know it's the peaceful place? Because this is the Garden of Eden. He's placed them in the Garden of Eden where uh, there was supposed to be no conflict. There was supposed to be no confusion. Uh, We know that this is a peaceful place because what happens when they sin? They get casted out of the garden. Sometimes we're blessed with some peaceful situations and peaceful circumstances, but we make them harder than what they should be. We make them complicated. We, we add the confusion to it, and as a result of it, once again, we show that we're ungrateful for what God has given us. I don't know about you, but I can't stand ungrateful people. I, I mean, they just bother me. To the utmost. I, I, I mean, there's some people, and some of y'all might be these people. I love y'all. <laughs> but there are some people that you can buy a gift for this year, and next year they'll re-gift that same gift back to you. <laughs> Don't even remember. You ain't even grateful enough to remember who gave it to you. You're going to package it up and give it right back to me. I had somebody one time, no harm, no disrespect to him. I love him 
all to death. Um, but I had someone that literally, I bought them something, and they asked for the receipt just in case. I want to take it back. So you're going to tell me to my face that you're not grateful for what I did for you? There's nothing like having an ungrateful person in your presence. Can you imagine what it was like to God to have children who were ungrateful for what he had done? Listen, the whole pretense of God creating us in the first place, the whole reason that he gave us life in the first place was to build a relationship. Why? Because there was already a relationship that was broken in the kingdom of heaven. Lucifer himself decided to get the big head and think he knows it all and he can control it all. He got tired of people coming to him asking them to write them a worship song for God. And he said, you know what, you need to be worshiping me. And so he decided one day to smell himself, as my daddy would say, and simply say, uh, listen, God, I want your throne. I want your seat. And we know how the story ends. Him and a third were casted out and fell down. This is why men were even tempted in the first place, because he was sent to the darkness and the deep. And that's the only reason that he had the opportunity to whisper into the lives of man. And so here when we look at this, we have to understand that our relationship with God should be one of the most important things in our lives. Why? Because it was the first thing that was given to us. Before you had a husband, God had you. Before you had a job, God had you. All of these things, you were, cre- you were created, formed, fastened, and molded, and he breathed his own breath into you. So why is it that we put all of these other things in life before God? Why do we put our friends? Why do we put our family? Why do we put our relationships? Why do we put even our churches before God? God should be the first thing on your mind when you wake up. Not Facebook, not Twitter, not Instagram. The first thing that should be on your mind when you wake up is God. I don't know about you, but I want to get better about when I wake up in the morning, even before I brush my teeth, just to say, thank you, God. Because it is a reminder to me that this is a day that I didn't have to have. This is a day that that God didn't have to give me. This breath, this one. What could have been my last one? So why is it that we take this gift for granted? We take this gift for granted because of sin. Sin has uh, left a stain on our brain. It's given us a taste of what things could be like. How we could shift and mold things to fit the lifestyle that we want. Sin has been the interruption the interference between God and man. This is why God not only had to send forth and give life in Genesis, but then he has to come back and give life again in Matthew. Why does he have to give life in Matthew? Because sin has called a separation between God and man. And the thing is about God, God wasn't going to let the enemy win. Uh, He was not finna throw in a towel. He could have just said, forget it, wipe the slate clean. But that would prove that that Lucifer had more control and more power than him. So he says, no, this is my creation. They're made in my image. And because of that, I will give them another chance. He didn't have to let Noah build an ark and get on the boat. He could have just said, forget it. He didn't have to let Moses lead the people out of Israel. He could have just said, forget it. But all alone, he had a plan, a contingency. If something did go wrong, 
Like a good father, I'm going to be there for you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I remember one year, I was a kid in school, and I, and I acted a plum fool, Daddy. I, I know you love me. I know you love me. But I acted a plum fool in school. And my dad, and the problem is it was right before Christmas that I acted a fool. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I had my mind all jacked up. But that year, my dad might have not known I known this, so I'm going to tell on myself in church so he can't whoop me now. They used to always hide our gifts in the attic, in the garage. And every once in a while, while they were gone, I would go up and I would sneak up that attic and take a little peekaboo just to see what was up there. And so I would go up there and look in the attic and see if the gifts was up there. Well, this year I acted a plum fool in school. I was in trouble. Teachers called home. He had to leave work. And he made a solemn promise and oath to me, you ain't getting nothing this year. I didn't believe him, so... Uh, as December rolled around and Christmas was coming, I did my same usual thing. I waited until he went off. Mama was asleep, and I would pull that little string down and climb up there to see the gifts. But only this time I seen a bunch of little girl gifts, <laughs> but no boy gifts. He proved to me that he was true to his word. When you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm not going to do anything else for you. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work out. Listen, God had every right to be just like my daddy. He had every right to say, because you didn't do what you're supposed to do, I'm not going to do anything else for you. All I asked you to do was leave one tree alone. One tree alone. And the reason I asked you to leave it alone was because of the fact that I wanted you to only be good and not be evil. I didn't want you to be exposed to the dark side. I didn't want you to know what pain was like. I didn't want to expose you to this type of life. What is this saying to us? Some of us in the life that we're living now, we go through situations where we literally have a tree in front of us that represents good and evil. And every day we have to make a choice whether I want to pick a a fruit from the good side or whether I want to pick a fruit from the evil side. And more than not, we pick from the evil side. Y'all don't believe me. Here it is. You had no relationship. Uh, You've been dating someone. It's been cool. It ain't went nowhere. Y'all just been talking. But now you have an option whether do I just want to give him a little bit or do I want to keep it to myself and wait until he marries me. And you make the conscious decision, well, you know what, maybe this will convince him to marry me. I'm eat this fruit. Uh, there's this time where you're at the store, you know you don't have enough for something. You, well, they won't miss this, this one banana that I'm going to walk around and eat. You get to choose between good and evil. Every day we make a conscious decision whether we're going to lie or tell the truth. We have to make up in our mind what are we going to do. So here it is that God says, I, I know you messed up, but I'm going to send you a lifeline. We know that he sends us a lifeline, and and now we see that life goes from from being a representation of a relationship to a representation of redemption. Why do we know that it's redemption? Jesus Christ himself has said in John chapter 10, I come so that you may have what? Life, and that you may have it what? More abundantly. And so obviously, I'm not only coming to bring you life, but I want you to have a great life. I want you to have 
a bold, big life, a meaningful life is what I want to give you. Jesus Christ himself, our Savior, our Messiah, has said, this is the reason I come. I didn't come for y'all to wear crosses on your neck. I didn't come for y'all to build nice, pretty buildings and make yourself wear your big, pretty hats. I came so that now you can have life again, that same life that God has promised you. So catch this. We lost control, but Christ gives us control. Jesus says the very things that you gave up, the love, the hope, the peace, I come now to give it to you again. I come now to restore this in your life. And the, very, the best text that I think about is John chapter 3, verse 16. This is a scripture that everybody should know. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. Gave a gift. His only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. It's that four-letter word again, life. Why is this important? Because some of us are going to leave here and claim that we don't have a good life, a happy life, because we're missing some things that we think from a physical perspective that we need. Uh, we, we feel like... We need the love and companionship of someone else. I want to make sure you understand something. You need love and companionship, but it don't have to come from somewhere else. What you have to understand is God has already given it to you. For God so loved. Here we go. We understand that now he's given us a new life, a redeemed life through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he still loves us. What is life? Life is love. What is God? God is love. If many of us can get this around our head, then we will stop wasting time in and out of relationships that we shouldn't be in. If many of us would get this in our head, we wouldn't worry about when our BFF does our wrong. We wouldn't be on Facebook trying to bash people and talk trash to people because they let us down. The greatest love of all times comes from God, and it's the love that most of us ignore day in and day out. I laugh at people when they come and tell me, I just want somebody to love me. Do you not know that God loves you? Is that not enough? I mean, I love my wife, and I know my wife loved me, but she can't make me breathe. She can't make blood pump in my veins. So I have a choice, and I choose God first. Now, I'm thankful that I serve a God that tells me, listen, husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. So he gives me permission to love her. I try to remind people this all the time. You will never be able to love anyone else, not even yourself, until you love God first. God is the definition of love. He shows us how we should operate, how we should function in love. God, listen, if God was my wife, which God is not my wife because my wife handles me sometimes, God gives even when he expects to get back in return, even, but he gives with an option that it may not come back. I told y'all how my wife act. I'm glad she's in the nursery today so I can talk about her. But I told y'all how she act when I don't do what she want me to do and when I don't pick up. So we had clothes that was washed. I was great to do the clothes. I washed them and everything was good. The problem is I left them on the couch. And, and so now you have five loads of clothes on the couch. I see some of the women taking a deep breath. I, I, I understand. 
I thought it was good enough that I washed the clothes. You want me to fold them and put them up too? And so here it is, that walk again. Y'all know that walk. We just talked about it a couple of weeks, walking around like somebody that stole her cookie and, and wondering, and I, I'm in the bed watching my TV show. I just got me a new episode called 3% on Netflix. And so I'm watching that, and now all of a sudden I see her just going back and forth, back and forth. All right, pause. Baby, what's wrong? Oh, you ain't going to fold up your clothes? Uh, okay, I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me, let me do what I'm supposed to do. I wanted some ice cream after I started doing what I was supposed to do. Do you think I got my ice cream? No. Why? Because I should have did it right the first time. Aren't we thankful that, that God is not like my wife? Y'all can clap to that. We should be thankful that God doesn't say, only reason I'm going to do something for you is if you do something for me. God says, I'm going to give to you regardless. And so he shows us in John chapter 3 that, that here it is, I love you so much that I'm going to give to you. And then he shows us what? That principle of hope. God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for what? So whosoever believeth, that's that principle of hope tied right back into that text. If they just believe, I'm going to make this sacrifice with the expectation of their belief, that they're going to believe in him. Catch this. He didn't do it knowing that everybody was going to believe because he said, whosoever. He realizes that it's a choice, but I'm still going to give the gift of life. I'm going to sacrifice a life even though all of them won't give me their life. I'm going to give it up for them because all I need is just the ones who will believe. I have enough hope in the ones who will believe that whosoever believe will not, what, perish, but have everlasting life. Here it is in the text that we understand that a new principle is introduced, that whosoever believes will not perish. We went from just having love, hope, and peace to now we're built off life is love, hope, forgiveness, and peace will not perish. In other words, now I'm going to give you a way out. I'm going to give you another opportunity to live the life that I have for you. I will forgive you. It's the best thing in a relationship when you've done wrong, but they still love you enough to forgive you. They still love you enough to stand beside you day in and day out, no matter what it is that you've done to them. That's some of us that are in relationships. We've disrespected our parents. We've disrespected our spouse. We've disrespected our children. But yet and still what? They still stand beside us. God gave a life so that we don't have to lose our lives. He gave our lives so that, he, that we can have eternal life. Now, catch this. This is what I want you to understand. If God has given a life so that we can have eternal life, then why do we cry about this fake life that we know will pass away? Why do we cry that we don't have the most perfect car in the world? Why do we cry because our hair doesn't look like we want it to look like or somebody don't like me? Why are we worried about this? this in, in essence, this is just a dream. This is a dream that you know one day you will wake up from. You will have another chance, another opportunity to actually live the life that you're supposed to live. The Bible even says that God will make a new heaven and a new earth. 
So why is it that you're going to waste so much time worried about Vogue? Why is it that, that your mind is so much wrapped up in the Essence Festival and, and, the, and the Cliff Club, Brother Dan? I'm sorry, I had to throw you. <laughs> why is it that, that these things are on your, your heart and your mind? Shouldn't the first thing in your life be God? Honoring God first? I want you to think about everything right now. Think about everything that you put first. And don't say God because y'all lying. Uh, we, didn't, we don't always put God first. Think about the first thing that you put first in your day-to-day life, whether it's your husband, your children, your job, your car, your finances, whatever it is. Imagine if you turned around and gave God that much attention. There are some of us that stalk Facebook waiting on likes. We will literally hold our phone. Ain't nobody going to like my post. I'm going to like it myself. <laughs> Waiting on a response to come. Imagine if you gave that time to God. What would your relationship be like? If God is the author and finisher of your faith, imagine if you gave all of that energy to God. You know how many of us won't give our lives to God completely because we think if we give our lives to God, we stop living. Catch this. That's the lie. That's the whisper that the enemy is putting in your ear. If you give your life to God, that's when you actually begin to live. That's when you actually get to be exposed to what God has for you. But if you're not willing to do that, you will continually fail. You will continually fail. You will continually miss out. Why? Because of the fact that you're worried about this illusion. When I think about the world that we live in, I think about how Adam and Eve was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and they went into the wilderness. And so if they were kicked out, and God put a Zarephath at the gate where nobody can get in. There was swords. You were blocked. You, you try to get in. You're going to lose your head. You're dead. God did all that to protect the garden, and he kicked them into the wilderness. And what does that mean we are? We're yet and still in the wilderness. Why would I want to be so wrapped up with the wilderness when I know that God has a better place for me? I wasn't designed to be in the wilderness. I wasn't designed to have to fend for myself. And if God has thrown me a lifeline, why not take it? What would it look like if I'm in the middle of the ocean uh, a drowning, and somebody throws me a lifeline, and I don't take it. I believe Pastor Newhouse would have a problem with that. Him, he's a Navy man. He's trying to help somebody, and they started swimming away when he's trying to bring them in. <laughs> then the life that he's willing to risk is what? Worthless. Many of us, by the life that we live, we tell God every day, Jesus Christ's sacrifice was worthless. We look, we look God in the face spiritually and tell him, I don't care about your sacrifice. I'm still going to do what I do. Listen, it's not y'all. I had to apologize myself. This was one of the, I preached three times this weekend. Two times on yesterday, once today. This message didn't come final, sealed, and delivered until I got home and told God I'm sorry. 
I can't, I can't prepare a message to teach people about how to, to use you and utilize you and, and to take advantage of the life that you give, and I'm not willing to live the life that I'm supposed to live. God, I'm sorry. There's some mistakes that I've made in the way that I've lived that has caused conflict and some confusion in my life. What are those mistakes? This is what it is. This is the meat of the message. This is what we're going to get and go. I want you to understand that there's a certain way as believers we should live. There's a certain way as believers we should live. This is what we find here in the text when we look in Matthew uh, chapter 1. We see that uh, Joseph is, is hit with a conflict. Mary is pregnant. It's not his baby. Uh, it's, the ba- it's God's baby. It's the Holy Spirit has, has impregnated her. And he he's has a conflict that he wants to, uh, he doesn't want to disrespect her and put on blast. He's not going to put on Facebook. But he wants, to, he wants to get her away from this situation. He's, he's, he's married her, but she's already with child. Technically, that's a big no-no. I know nowadays we'll marry somebody with two or three kids. That's okay. Times have changed. But then uh, if you allowed someone to go into you before marriage, let me rephrase that because somebody going to mistake that. You still should keep yourself holy and righteous, number one. However, I know that some of us were sinners before that now we've been saved by grace. So you don't have a right to leave her and keep doing the same foolishness uh, because it's not what God wants for you. But here it is that he wanted to keep her, 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 her name good. And so he says, you know what, I'm going to take you uh, away from here. I'm going to try to hide you. I'm going to try to cover you up. But he, he, was really, he was really hurt. He was really confused, and he was really stressed about it. And so the angel of the Lord comes and tells him, listen, don't be worried. Don't be concerned. Everything is going to be okay. He gives them instructions. He lets them know what he does. And, and Joseph takes step, a step back and he relaxes and he breathes and he says, you know what? I can handle this. This life that you're giving me, I can deal with it. There's three things that Joseph shows us in his lifestyle. First thing that Joseph shows us is, number one, in the life that you live, you need to be grateful. Amen. That's real talk. That's real big is that we need to understand we need to be grateful. Listen, some of us are walking around with more of a spirit of expectation than we are with a spirit of appreciation. Listen, there's nothing wrong with expecting God to do some great things, but you have to be thankful for what God has already done. This is why I couldn't get this text off my chest. I couldn't get finished because I'm so caught up with our 2020 vision, where we're going, the big building, everything else, everything that God is building. But you know what? When was the last time that I just told God, thank you for the people that I have? Thank you that here our church is going to be three years old and our doors ain't never had to close. Thank you that we have only had one location. We hadn't had to move to multiple locations. When was the last time I was appreciative for what you've done in my life? Many of us are failing to live life to its full capability because of the fact that we're always walking around expecting something instead of being thankful for it. We get upset and frustrated with God. I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for that. When was the last time you just thanked God for what you have? Again, there's nothing wrong with faith. There's nothing wrong with expecting. But let me tell you something. You, if you had to put expectation and appreciation on a scale, you know what you should do? Appreciation should overweigh expectation. Why? This is why the Bible even tells us in Proverbs that a man makes his own ways in his heart. But God already knows his footsteps. He's already ordered his footsteps. Today could be your last day. 
Did you do everything that you could do? Did you enjoy today to its fullest? Or did you go to sleep today thinking that tomorrow is promised to you? The Bible calls a person that literally goes to sleep with an expectation of tomorrow has to come to me a fool. Why can't we get to a point to be thankful? I had to literally get down on my knees, tears in my eyes, and apologize to God and say, you know what, God, I'm thankful for what you've given me. I know you promised me something else. I know it will come in time, but even if you don't give it to me, I'm happy with what I have. Many of us are failing in our relationships. We're failing on our jobs because we're not thankful. When you think about it, I counsel a lot of people and you talk to them about their infidelity and they want to tell you, oh, well, it's this or she didn't do that, she didn't do this. You got a whole bunch of stuff to complain about, but what are you thankful for? I had to be reminded that growth takes time. It's great that I've seen it, but I should enjoy every moment along the way. Because what happens when I get there and I hadn't taken the, the time to enjoy the life that I have? I hadn't, I'm sitting back and, and I've pushed off my family, no vacation. I've, I've pushed off my friends. I, I don't want anybody around me. And here it is, 10 years down the road, we have this huge church. And now it's time for me to take a vacation, but I can't. Why? So many responsibilities. But what's the promise that I've made over and over? Listen. Uh, we'll get to it. Just let me do what God wants me to do right now. God, some things we do, God ain't asking us to do. You know what happens? We see, the, we see where God wants us to be in the distance, and something happens that we begin to make it our own mission to get there. Instead of allowing God to order our steps daily, we begin to try to outline a map to get there. If God wanted you to get there on your own, he would have given you a map yourself. He needed you to trust him day by day. The, people, the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness and what? They were guided by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. He didn't just simply say, go left, go right, go up and down. He says, follow me. As believers, we have to be willing to follow God. So my prayer for you today as you leave here is to have a spirit of more appreciation than you do of expectation. The second point that we have to understand from Joseph's perspective is not only was he grateful, but guess what Joseph was? He was graceful. Joseph was graceful. Life may be a struggle, but people don't have to see you struggle. Everybody don't need to be in your business. There are some things I shouldn't wake up in the morning and see on Facebook that you went through. Why? Because you should live life gracefully. James said himself, listen, I count it all joy when I fall on diverse trials and situations because it's the testing of my faith. Paul says, listen, every day I have to beat my flesh up under submission daily. He was not just talking about what he desired, but he talked about how he felt. Sometimes you have to put these things under control. You don't understand that when you walk around doing this, woe is me. Somebody listen to me. Somebody give me a shoulder to cry on. All you're doing is fueling the sadness. You're fueling the anger, the frustration. Why? Because someone is giving attention to that. When people tell me that they've lost a loved one, someone has passed away, I listen, I will give you a moment. We will talk about that. But let's talk about something better. 
Because I don't want you to be walking around sad and miserable all day. Let's talk about how things going at work. What you cooking today? Let's talk about some other things. Because we can't sit here and allow this sadness to take over. One of my favorite movies, one of my favorite movies, some of y'all young folks, y'all won't understand this, was The Never Ending Story. The Never Ending Story had this little dragon. And the, and the thing is, in The Never Ending Story, that there was something that was taking over the kingdom. The, the darkness was taking over the kingdom. And the thing was that they had to fight and resist the darkness just so that light can shine. If we are rays of light, we have to watch the darkness that we let in. Why? Because the light, the light should kill the darkness. The darkness should never have a power to overtake the light. We shouldn't allow things to cloud our vision. So therefore, when I say this, I want you to understand I not only need you to be grateful, but I need you to be graceful. Sometimes you're not going to want to smile, but you got to smile. Here it was, Joseph wasn't happy that his wife was pregnant by somebody else. Probably had a problem that it was the Holy Spirit. This young man lived his whole life just to get a wife. And now you're going to tell me I can't fool with her until she has a child? We got problems. That's a nine-month span, Lord. You God, you can't speed this thing up. So he has to be graceful about it. He doesn't throw a fit. He doesn't pout. He continues to live life. He does everything that he can do to cover her and protect her. Then I love the last thing, and we'll wrap up on this. When you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, Joseph not only shows us that you got to be grateful, Joseph not only shows us that you got to be graceful, but Joseph shows us that you have to be godly. The text says, but he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to her son. He made the conscious decision to be godly. He made a conscious decision to be righteous. He made a conscious decision to be holy. If you're truly appreciative of the life, the gift that God has given you, then why not live like it? Why not do what God is asking you to do? Why is this so important? Because the life that you're living is not your own. We, when we accept who Christ is, we die spiritually and we give ourselves to God. We, we then take on the life of Christ. We live, what the text say, vicariously through Jesus Christ. So imagine if you really just had to allow that to manifest itself and you are Jesus Christ. What are some of the things that you've done that Jesus wouldn't do? You remember those bands, WWJD? What are some of the things that you've done that Jesus wouldn't do? What are some of the things that, that you said? What are some of the people that you, you've talked to, reached out to, some of the people you're sleeping with, laying with? What are some of the things that you've done that Jesus wouldn't do? Because this is a gift that does not belong to you. God didn't owe you this. He gave it to you. But by our actions, day in and day out, by the sinful lifestyle that we're living, you know what we're doing? We're taking the gift that he's given us. We unwrap it. We look at it. It looks good. But we wrap it back up and give it right back to him. 
says, God, I know what you're trying to give me, but uh, I already have a blender. I don't need your blender. God, I know what you're trying to give me, but I already have a microwave. I don't need your microwave. God has given us a life for a life. And we're steady giving him back his life because we think our life is more important. I'll close with this, man. Not too long ago, I won, uh, what do they call those things, a Keurig? Keurig. I want a Keurig. I want a Keurig. I love that thing. God bless that. <laughs> we had one donated to our church, so we used it for coffee at our church. I'm excited about that. A couple of days later, the, the Keurig, somebody, I want a Keurig, but guess what? My wife had already bought a Keurig. So at one point in time, we had three Keurig coffee makers at one time, at one time. Now, the person that bought me the Keurig said, well, hey, I got it from Walmart, and, but if you want to keep it. And I was like, well, I got one at home. And she was like, no, if you don't want it, you can take it back to Walmart, get your gift card or whatever you want to do. I'm not one of the rewrap gifts. I, I just don't like that. I will put something in my closet or put it up. Listen, I used to talk about saints that send me socks all the time. I love socks. It wasn't until I started getting hole in my dress socks that I remember why those old saints give those preachers socks. I'm like, thank y'all. Give me my socks. I apologize. <laughs> so, so, so here it is. I don't put, I don't put my, I don't put my, I don't, I don't take stuff back to the store. I, I, don't, I don't like that. That's not my thing. So catch this. So I had three Keurigs at one time. One I donated to the church, one my wife bought, and one that was given to me. Even though I had the opportunity to take that gift and give it back, I went ahead and kept it. Guess what happened six months down the road? One of them broke. So guess what? I didn't have to stress about it because now what? I can go right in there and get my Keurig. The life that we're living that we think is whole is a broken life. We think that it's the right life. We think because a relationship at one point in time feels good. But there's a gift that, will, that God has given to you that has a warranty that will last the test of time. You, whatever is broken in your life, he's guaranteed that he can replace it with something better. All you have to do is be willing to accept and embrace the life. Be grateful for what God has done for you. Live gracefully as God is calling you to and adopt the godly lifestyle that he's called us to live. If you can do those things, then you can willingly accept the gift of life. You can accept the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made for you, but if you're not willing to do those things, then literally you're, you're going to your Christmas party with God himself and you're giving the gift back. The problem with giving the gift back is that means that you don't get to go forward. If you give it back, this is your invitation into the kingdom. So you're avoiding your invitation to the kingdom. Faith without works is dead. We have to do, we have to believe what God is asking us to believe, and we have to do what God is asking us to do. God himself, when Jesus Christ was baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit transcended like a dove. God spoken from heaven, this is my son to whom I'm well pleased. God has given us Christ. Christ has required that we live the life. The question is, will you do it? Let us stand. The word of God for the people of God. Can we give God a hand clap of praise?
Listen, I am so grateful for everything that God has given to me. I'm grateful for the life that God has given me.